Hi, I'm Tony Red, and welcome to The Red Room, the next edition of Unsung Musicians Behind the Headline Legends. Today, my very special guest is a Philadelphia-born and self-taught drummer. He's an avid lover of music. He's a recording artist, songwriter, and actor. He has worked with artists such as Stevie Wonder, Anita Baker, Shaka Khan, John Legend, Tevin Campbell, Destiny's Child, Jonathan Butler, Boney James, Ray Parker Jr., Elder Barge. I tell you, this list is so long and I can go on and on. But without further ado, Donnell Spencer Jr. What's happening, Donnell Spencer Jr.? What's up with you, Tony Red? I'm good. You know what? I'm so happy that you decided to do this interview with me. You've got so much, you know, that you've done. Well, thank you. And I hope to do more, a lot more. Too. Oh, yeah. Of, of I'm course. not done yet. I, of course you're not. Yeah, it's going to be a lot more. I know it is. So um, what's been your favorite country to uh, perform in? Because you've been everywhere. Wow, favorite country. Uh, man, um, that's a tough one. Um, I think Spain, when I was there with uh, Spain, Spain when I was there with Judith Hill in 2019, the audiences were amazing. England, when I was there with <clears throat> Sister Sledge many years ago, um, when they had the hit... Um, uh, the Greatest Dancer and We Are Family and all that. Wow. Uh, that was my first tour. And I went all over England and I was mesmerized. So being that that was my first time, uh, that, was, that, was, that was amazing. Also, when I, I went to Russia, too. Ooh, that was awesome. Wow. Moscow and St. Petersburg. Wow. Audiences were great and the people were wonderful. Okay, so and I like the food too. Oh really? Russia Russia had good food? Oh hell yeah, girl. They they um they eat a lot of beets and I hate beets. But the way they prepare them I like it. Wow. Yeah. I love so I like beets. Russian food. Mm-hmm. I did not you know do? that. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. so you were uh Philadelphia born, self taught. Yes. How was it growing up in Philly? You know, and deciding, because you sound like, you know, you uh, decided this at a very young age that you wanted to be a musician. How was it growing up? You know, did you get uh, a lot of encouragement from your uh, family, or were they pushing more of, you know, education, master's degree, and all that good stuff, or be a doctor? You know how your family, when you say you want to be a musician. Yeah, my family wasn't really like that. My dad, my dad was like, get a job with some benefit. That was his thing. Right. Because that's all he did. He worked. He worked for uh, Pacific Bell, and at the time it was Pacific Bell, and he retired from there. So when I was getting ready to graduate, I wanted to be a marine biologist. You did? Um, yeah, yeah. I was fascinated with the ocean and fish, and I used to breed fish and all that. I was, yeah, I, I loved that stuff. So when I wanted to go to Temple University, and I was. Um, uh, I didn't get a grant. They said my my family made too much money, but they didn't make enough money to pay for me to go to school. So I ended up going to community college for a couple of years, and I didn't even study music. I was trying to, you know, do the marine biology thing. Wow. And 
and then um, that didn't work out too well. Um, so I, I did take some drum lessons um, from a guy named Emmanuel Thompson. He's dead now. And uh, I used to run in there from the basketball court, sweating. He'd be like, yo, man, you going to play basketball or you going to be a drummer? I was like, I'm going to do both. <laughs> wow. So... So um, I decided, you know, I just would pursue music, and then I I went to um, electronic school. Mm-hmm. I went to electronic school and I uh, got a degree as an electronic technician. And that's when, while in school, I hooked up with Stevie Wonder. I was part of a band called Mix. Um, you know, Jonathan Butler is calling me right now. Let me, let me send him a Jonathan message. Jonathan Butler is calling you? Yeah, yeah. We did a gig last night. It was oh. so fun. Man, it's the first time this happened on my podcast. Uh, hey, you guys, Jonathan Butler is calling Donnell Spencer Jr. right now. Yeah, yeah. We, we did a really fun gig last night. Okay, so you want to take a moment and speak with him? No, no. I'm texting him back. I'm You're texting, texting him back. I'll hit you right back. Oh, wow. I'll hit you right back. Yeah, that's my man. Oh. We had a good time. Oh, man. You tell him Tony Red said hello. I will. That's, he's, he's an amazing artist. Oh, so back to me. So, so um, yeah. So, Edie wanted to put together a group called Mix while I was in electronic school. So I would go to Sigma Sound Studio and be there for like twelve hours. I would go straight from school. I mean, straight from work. I mean, from from the studio mm-hmm. to school. I would go straight from the studio to school and then sleep through the class and get my notes later from someone. And I did that for about three and a half months. We were in the studio with Steve in Philadelphia. Wow. My mother, my mother encouraged me to, to pursue my dreams. My dad was pushing me towards get a job, and I wasn't trying to hear him. <laughs> what? I wasn't trying to hear that. I didn't want to work for Bell Telephone and go down the same path that he took. Yeah. You know, so... And I did it. He, you know, he he didn't know anything about music or any of that. It he, was a hobby. Yeah, he didn't understand. Was, for me, it was a hobby. Yeah. He didn't understand. He was yeah. old school. Yeah, he was old school. I get it. Because yeah. he didn't understand how you could turn music into a thriving profession and make just exactly. a, a great a living as somebody with, you know, doctor, lawyer, teacher, professor, you know, a bunch of degrees, whatever. Exactly, and just do something that you love. My thing is, oh, is you know, doing something, doing something that you really love. Yes. So it doesn't feel like work. Exactly. You know, he come home complaining about work. I'm come home from a gig. I'm happy unless the gig wasn't paying. Right. Even then, it's even then it's fine, depending on who's, who you're playing with. Okay. You know, it's all about the chemistry. It's all about the chemistry. Okay, so now <clears throat> I know you can do so many things, but what strengths do you have that you believe has made you such a success? Oh, wow. Um, first of all, um, I like that you said such a success because although I, you know, the world may not know who I am, I've always felt successful because I have longevity in this business without ever having a manager without ever having, you know, well, you know, not really being a social media type person. I just, 
been blessed that um, my relationships with people have been awesome. And I've always tried to stress the younger musicians that, you know, no matter how good you are, it's about the relationships you have with people. You do still have to have talent and have a work ethic. And that's the two things that I that I'd like to bring to a situation. And, um, you know, do do the work, do it well, and and um, you know, be respectful and have a good relationship with the with the artists you're working with and the other musicians mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So wow. that's yeah, that's that's my thing. And plus, like you, like I said, you have a great personality, and your energy is incredible on the stage. Because I've been on stage with you, and I just oh you know, yeah, we had a blast. Oh, we had a blast, <laughs> and see that right there is so important to me. You know, when I'm on stage and the, and the musicians have great energy, it just makes everything all around better. Okay, so exactly. do, do you follow a process or a certain type of ritual before before performance? Like you said, you just finished playing with Jonathan Butler, and he was just calling you a minute ago. So mm-hmm. how do you get re- you know, ready for your performance? Do you have to get rid of nervousness, or are you over that? I mean, what's the process for you to start? Um, well, of course, it depends on, the, on, the, on the, uh, the situation. The thing last night was a private event for an eyeglass designer, at an eyeglass boutique in Beverly Hills. Wow. So the other artist that was there was Dave Cobb. He was there as well. Ooh. He came and brought his back and played. So that was a very nice, loose situation. It was just a trio. Me uh, and a guy named David Lutz, incredible bass player who works with, with uh, JB. And um, it was really cool. Um, now, I've done gigs where... You know what? You know where I get the most. If I if I have to say I ever get nervous, it's when it's television. Oh, okay. And it's live. Right. Because you get one time to do it. That's it. And that's it. Yeah. Now there's a there's a different adrenaline that kicks in. It's like okay, cool, I got this. I can't wait to do it. Then the other thing is, all right, I gotta make sure I don't you know can't flub because it's going out you yeah. know live. Mm. And so that's that's a, that's one feeling. And I've been in that situation many times, and I've, you know, I've made it through. Especially mm-hmm. when I was in China, we did a lot of live television, wow. and you were reading charts and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. You know, you, but we rehearsed for it. You study the music, you rehearse, and you just go do it. It's part of being a professional. Yes. You know, um, and the artist is trusting that they have, you know, that you have it together. And when they put, when they put that trust in you, you gotta deliver. And that's what I do. That's what you do, definitely. Okay, so you've performed on so many award shows. I'm just going to name a few of them. But uh, uh-huh. the American Music Awards, the Soul Train Music Awards. Um, oh, and also you played um, on The Bowl and the Beautiful with the actor Jack Wagner. You was in his room. Yeah. Tell yeah, me about that, man. Jack- oh, Lord. That, that sounds incredible. <laughs> Uh, do you, did you ever watch, like, General Hospital? I sure did. Stuff? I know exactly who Jack <laughs> Wagner is. <laughs> uh, my mother was a huge Bold and the Beautiful fan. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm playing at this little restaurant called Crustacean in uh, Beverly Hills. I used to play there every Tuesday night, and Jack was there having dinner. So he comes up to the bandstand and says, hey, can I sit in with you guys? So we're like, yeah, he sat in, sang a couple blues songs or whatever. And then 
He comes back and says, how would you guys like to be on, on, on the Bold and the Beautiful? And I was like, hell yeah. So I gave him my information. He, he called and said, we have a scene. Um, he said, we have a scene where um, we need the drummer, me, to say a couple words. Girl, I had one line or two lines. <laughs> And I had that joker down. It was like, I think I did it in two takes. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was so excited. And Jack and I have been friends since that time. And he he would go out, he would go out, maybe do some shows once a year at, um, once or twice a year. He would go to, um, where would we go? Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Upstate Connecticut, play at a casino. And he was so sweet. He would um, give us per diem and then buy us dinner every night. Oh. How could you use that? I love him. Give us, give us per diem and then buy dinner. I'm like, Jack, I got per diem. And then everybody meet at such and such a restaurant. It's on me. Now, unfortunately, um, I just spoke with him the other day. He lost his younger son. Oh. His younger son just passed away, I'm so, so sorry to hear that. I like to I like to publicly send my condolences yeah. to him. Me I sent well. him a text message and he, he hit me back and and I you know I know he's broken hearted. Oh my god! You know, whenever you lose a child, because yeah, you that's just unnatural. You're not supposed to lose a child. That that breaks right. my heart for him. Oh, right. Oh my goodness. But but he's a good guy. He. Uh, can I tell a story real quick about how good this he is? This is your interview. You can tell any okay, story you want. Okay, let me tell the story. <laughs> okay. So, so I tell Jack, when I tell my mother I'm working with Jack Wagner, she goes nuts. <laughs> oh, my God. I watched him on Bold and Beautiful. I never watched Bold and Beautiful. I didn't even know what it was. So my mom is like, I would love to meet him. So I tell her, I tell Jack, Jack says, call your mom. <laughs> wow. I call my mom. He gets on the phone and talks to her. They talking like they've been knowing each other forever. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. So my mom comes out to visit, and I said, "Jack, my mom's gonna be here for a couple weeks, man." He said, "Bring her by the set. Bring her by the set." Wow. I bring my mom and my and my cousin to the set while they while they're taping. He gives her an autograph signed script. Wow. Takes pictures with my mom, all the whole cast. They love my mother. Hmm. So my mom was in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. But then my mom, a couple of years later, had to have, um, she had spinal stenosis, so she had to have surgery. Jack said, give me the hospital when your mom is going to have a surgery. I gave him the information. Jack sent a picture of himself and a big bouquet of flowers. The whole staff at the hospital did not understand how my mother is getting this from Jack Wax. <laughs> they lost it. My mother was famous in that office. I know she was famous. <laughs> that is, that is Isn't such, that great? That is such a heartwarming, beautiful story. And he always asks me, how's your mom? Oh. He always asks me that. My mom has Alzheimer's now. Oh, um, I'm sorry to hear that. But, yeah, okay. I guess she remembers that, that Jack Wax. Oh, story, yeah, she, she remembers that. <laughs> He always he always asks about her, and he's a he's a true friend he and a good golfer friend. too. Wow, I think Oh man, I love that story. That that's, yeah, that's awesome. a great story. Yeah, that that's a great story. You have so many of them. That's why I got yeah, lost. I, in, yeah, I got yeah. lost in Donnell's world. Donnell's world, excellent. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, I loved it. 
I love you know, you. reading all this great stuff about you. Okay, so now you, you. Mm-hmm, it's incredible. Okay, so you played with, oh, the, the list is just, it blows me away. You got Stevie Wonder, Anita Baker, Shaka Khan, John Legend, yes. Tevin Campbell, Destiny yeah. Child, of course, Jonathan Butler, because he just called you. Boney yeah, James, so. you've recorded with Kenny G. you got Ray Parker Jr., Elder Barge. It just goes yeah. on and on and on. Now, t- I want to hear about some of those uh, performances, any uh, great stories you have about any of those artists, especially if you have any about Shaka Khan. That's my girl. You know, and Anita Baker. Uh, Shaka, yeah. Shaka used to come down to this club I used to play every Tuesday night with Polyester Players. Mm-hmm. So, um, I can't remember the club right now. It's just on mine. Um, but anyway, she would come, and um, she liked my playing at the time. So the drummer, who uh, Michael Bland was the drummer, mm-hmm. and um, he was, I guess they had something, something was going on between him and Prince. And because Michael Bland used to play with Prince, and he couldn't be in the same venue as Prince. What? And so, yeah, there was a 10-day tour and I got the call. No rehearsal. They just sent me a tape, a live tape. And I think I was leaving like two days later after I got the call. Do ten days of soccer, opening for Prince. Goodness gracious, girl, look at him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a bus tour, and I knew everybody in the band. It was so fun. Oh. It was so much fun. I bet it was. Um, Shaka is a is a pro. You know, we just learned the music, did the show every night, and after the show every night, Prince had a jam session in the city that we were in. Oh. Mm. So I would, I, you know, because I was in the band, I could go to the jam sessions, and I got to play with Prince in Denver, Colorado, <gasps> at a small club, and he was playing bass, and he didn't know his his cousin was playing drums, and I was friends with him, and I said, "Hey, man." Can I, you know, let me, let me, let me get on the drums real quick. And he let me get on the drums and Prince turned around and was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I think we were playing like, if you want me to stay. Ooh. And he was singing and playing bass. Girl, I was in heaven. I know you but were. Prince told this, you, yeah, that's what I'm talking uh, about. Unfortunately, at that time, they didn't allow you to have no, no cameras or phones. Right. You know, in the, in the, in the club. It ain't like it, it wasn't like it is now. But uh, yeah, that's that's that was one of the hell of experiences, oh. and uh, and Shaka's just the best. He's he's pro. Oh my god, he's wonderful. So I wonderful mean, to work for. I mean that Prince story. Now see, I I don't I didn't know that story. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, it was great. Played like three or four songs with him. Oh. How, how did you feel? Did you have to pinch yourself? What, did you have an out-of-body experience? Well, I was watching him every night, you know, because um, yeah. we opened up the show, and I got to watch the show every night. So when I'm on stage playing drums with him, it was a dream come true. And it was no pressure because it was in a club. Right. And we would just groove, you know, vibing, playing whatever. It was fun. Okay, it was so, amazing. Okay, playing with Prince, that had to be the ultimate, I mean, you know. Okay, but have you ever felt starstruck when you uh, got the call from anybody and you're like, I can't believe I'm on stage with this artist. I know you said that with Prince. Who else have you said that with? Oh, man. Um, 
when I got the call to do Anita Baker, you know, I went I went and played with her Ooh. when she was in her A day when, when Sweet Love was in her. I toured with her for six months. You played with Anita um, for six months? Yeah. Tell me yeah, about yeah. how was it being on tour with Anita Baker? It was great. Um, there was moments where, you know, the band was good. We had a great, great band at that time. Mm -hmm. Pete Escovedo, Ooh. Escovedo, Pete Escovedo, um, Bobby Lyle on piano. Wow. Um, the Perry Singers with background vocals. Joe Albright was, was bass, playing was bass. bass. And then sax. Yeah, well, Smitty Smith was playing bass at first, and then Gerald Albright came in towards the end Man. and was playing bass and sax. Um, who else was in that band? That was um, an all-star lineup right there, with just the band. Yeah, we had the Earth, Wind, and Fire Horns. Ooh, you know, the guys. Yeah, those guys were playing horns, and uh, it was it was the whole staff. I mean, even the the the, um, the road manager was cool at the time. Everybody was cool. Um, yeah, we had a good time. You know, um, in fact, when we were in Philly. The whole band came to my house to eat. What? My mom cooked a bunch of food. Your mom cooked yep. the food? My mom cooked oh. the food. And uh, everybody came. Only, the only place they come was Anita. She was invited to come, too. My mom laid it out. I bet And uh, we, we still remember that to this day. Yeah. Donald Griffin was in the group, his guitar player. He, wow. he passed away. Yeah, he since passed away, but it was a great band. And, um... It was great. To, I got to, you know, tour all over the United States, stay in five-star hotels, blah, 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 blah. It was great. That's awesome. Egg yeah. I would like to see life through your eyes. That's amazing. It was incredible, yeah. yeah. I'm sure it was. I, I wish there's some YouTube stuff out there. I don't know. I haven't done any searching. Okay. See if, uh, see if there's anything out there. It, it might be because, you know, stuff pops up that you don't even realize. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to look. I haven't looked. It was, it was back, you know, <laughs> years back. Yeah. Um, and then the other person, Shania Twain. I mean, oh, yeah. I now, did some you, stuff with her in yeah. Switzerland. Yeah. Tell me about, okay, you went over there on another gig, right? To Switzerland. Yeah, well, uh, I go to Switzerland every year. I'm going, I'm back. I just got uh call yesterday. I'm going back July 7th to July 14th. Wow. Um, to Montreal. I go every year with Ray Parker Jr., Freddie Washington, um, uh, Rob Bacon, uh, Anaya will be there, Bobby Brown comes with his wife, wow. Eric Benet, um, what's the guitar player, uh, Steve Lupiker from Toto. I love Steve Those guys came here. Steve, Steve is amazing. He's amazing. amazing. So it's a, it's a group of us, and we get together twice a year in Switzerland, and they, they called us the, the uh, Macho Allspot thing. Last year, uh, uh, Greg Fillingame came. Oh, my Nathan goodness. East is another one. I love him. Nathan too. East. I love yeah. Nathan. Nathan's yeah. my man. Yes, he Nathan's is. a cool guy. Uh, got to know him because we both fly drones. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking about that kind of stuff. And I didn't know he was from Philly. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So, anyway, so I went to, I go over there. I went over there uh, a couple years ago with Ray Parker because he was, premiering his, his film called uh, Who You Gonna Call, the documentary. Mm -hmm. And um, he took the band, and we did a we did like some impromptu shows over there. 
played at this club. Tanaya came, heard the band, and wanted us to stay three extra days. She said, can we just jam in the studio for a few extra days? You know, if you guys can stay, I'll take care of everything. Like, sure. So, stayed three extra days and recorded nine songs with us. Not sure, like, if it's ever going to come out, what's going to come out on her record, because she's in the process of uh, recording right now. Mm-hmm. But we recorded some amazing songs I'm with sure uh, me, Freddie Washington, mm-hmm. Bob Bacon, and Ray Parker. Wow. And what was amazing is to see how Ray is in the studio. You know, I've never really seen him work in the studio. And he's like, he, you know, back in the day, he was the, the, the number one call guy. Right. Played on everybody. He was with Marvin Gaye when he was like mm. 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Playing on all those records and Stevie Wonder. and So to see him work in the studio was magical. And guess what? I got all the footage. Oh, I was videotaping everything. You need to do like a little small doc- documentary yourself. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to yeah. hold on to it. Yeah, you should. And I'm going to do something with it. Because um, it's all HD. I did it with my real camera. And, uh, yeah, I got the behind-the-scenes stuff. For, I know like you do, mark. because uh, we haven't even touched on you're a published photographer. We haven't even touched yes, on that. That's, you that's, got, that's the other. <laughs> yeah, your body of work is so much. It's extraordinary. It's, it's so versatile. Uh, you just, <laughs> Thank you. See, man, you're the bomb. I swear. Thank you, Tony. I'm Thank serious. You. Okay, so now, have, uh, you know, like on our journey, like <clears throat> I remember one time I was uh, doing this gig and I was kind of open for Gene Carn. And she gave yeah. me some advice. Have you ever got a piece of advice from one of your mentors or legend folk you looked up to or anything like that on your journey? Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course. Um, uh, I don't know if you'll know who this is, but Jeff Picaro was one of my favorite drummers. He was the drummer for Toto. Yes. And um, he died some years ago. I was in um, a rehearsal. I think I was rehearsing with uh, Ralph Tresman. Oh, I love yeah, him. Yeah, I did Ralph, Ralph Tresman's first tour. You did? When, when, uh, yeah, yeah. When uh, his song Sensitivity. Sensitivity. You need a man with sensitivity. Yeah, when that was out, we went to Japan and we did some shows. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't continue. He didn't do a long tour, but yeah, yeah it was about a month. So I was at, um, I was at SIR. And everybody had left the room, and I um, I was practicing, just, you know, practicing to a, to a death, I think, some music. Put on some music, and I was playing drums to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I could see somebody way at the, you know, at the door, just standing there listening. And when I got done, he started clapping. And I was like, wow. So... Um, I walk up to see who it was, and it was Jeff Picaro. Oh, wow. Actually, he didn't give me advice. He gave me a compliment. He said, oh, okay. man, your pocket. He said, your pocket is great. Yes. Don't let anyone tell you. Well, it is advice. He said, don't let anyone tell you you don't have a great pocket. That's what he said. And that's what... He said, because I was standing here listening to you, and your pocket was amazing. Wow. And this is before, like, I, I wasn't using no click. I was just playing to the music, just hearing it, just playing to it. So that was a great compliment. And uh, Greg Fillin Games, actually, I had him write that down and sign it. So I have that. Mm-hmm. And then Greg Fillin Games, I did a, I did a, um, a play mm-hmm. for six weeks with Patty Austin. I love her. I was the drummer. Yeah, she did a one-woman play about her life 
and Greg Finnegan's was the musical director. And uh, we were in a small theater, and I had to play really, really quiet because it was right behind where she was doing a dialogue. And Greg Finnegan's told me that uh, he said you can groove at a low volume. Don't ever forget that. Something he said like that, mm-hmm. like. He was he was uh, complimenting me because I was able to keep the vibe and still uh, be quiet enough so you could hear her dialogue and hear her singing. And I was like, thank you, because I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think it was going to be possible. I was like, you can't get a baffle, you know. They had this little wooden baffle, but they were short. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what a baffle is? It's like the, the fiberglass baffles. They didn't have that. Okay. So I just had to play really quiet. And I had to play with sticks sometimes because of the songs. Some songs required sticks and others I could use brushes. Okay. But yeah, that, those are two things that stand out uh, in my mind. Man. Ooh, that's, that's, that's awesome. Okay, so you are also an award-winning, chart-topping songwriter. You have won the most prestigious John Lennon Songwriter Award. You also had a number one song on the Billboard R&B charts turned away with Chucky, Chucky, Chucky Booker. Hey, Chucky. Hey, Chucky. Chucky. <laughs> Chucky. Chucky. Oh, boy, yeah, I Chucky love Booker. that. And, and you yeah. have your own solo project. So yes. let, let's talk about some of your recording stuff. Uh, well, um, you know, Turned Away was amazing. Um, we did that song. Chucky had finished his album. And he needed one more song for a single. But they didn't, they said they didn't, you know, they hadn't chosen a single yet. Mm-hmm. So we used to all hang out at a studio called LA in Glendale, California. And uh, Craig Burbage was the engineer there. That's how I learned a lot about engineering and mixing and mastering. Because I would stay in the studio all day long, all night long, and sit at the board and watch him do his magic. So uh, Chucky gives me this track. I walk in, he's playing this track, and I hear it. And I'm like, man, I got something for that. So I sang in his ear. You know, I sang the hook in his ear. He said, I like it. And um, he said, um, let me make you a cassette, and you can go in another room and write to it. And I did. About 45 minutes later, I had the melody and the lyrics and everything. Sang it to him. He recorded it, and it was the first single. And... um, it was a it was a, a number one R and B song. No, no, it didn't go to number one. Okay. It, charted. it charted. It charted on the Billboard the Billboard uh, charts. But it didn't it didn't go to number one. But it was pretty big song. Uh, uh, no, Chuck uh, was yeah, fun. Turned Away was a big song. They still yeah. play that song. Wow. Okay, and you did Bermuda Nights with Gerald Albright. Oh uh, man, that was great. That was Gerald's first record. Um, played on that. Uh, and I wrote on that album, too. Wow. Was Sam um, also on that record, Sam Sam? Sam was on there, too, because yeah. Sam, and I were, Sam and I was in Gerald's first band. Yeah, I remember. When Gerald went solo, it was me, Sam, and Chucky Booker, and Patrick Moulton. Patrick, Patrick Moulton yes. passed away. He wrote, he wrote all the stuff for Anita's first record. Ah, uh, yeah. Awesome. Yep. Man, I remember um, um, Sam came to Dallas with Gerald Albright. And I opened the show, and Gerald asked me to okay. hang out with them after the fact. But, you know, wow. I was married, and my, ex, my ex-husband, my ex he was my husband. Yes. He, he wouldn't let me do it. Freaking. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that mother. 
my God. Okay, so you played, uh, you did Funky Christmas with Boney James. Yeah, that was cool. Played on that record. Uh, it was, um, uh, Bobby Carwell sang, sang the song. It was, the, it was uh, What Are You Doing for New Year? That song? Yeah. Oh, you got to hear it. It's incredible. They play it every year. This is What Are You Doing New Year's Eve? That's what it is. What Are You Doing New Year's Eve? And Bobby Carwell sang, and we recorded that song live. Everybody together. Bobby singing all that. Oh. Did it in two takes. The first take is the one they kept, but then they we did another take, and I I, I nailed mine. The first take, I remember that. I say, hey, man, this is it. This is it. And we did it again, and I, and they ended up keeping the first take. How did you feel being in the studio with all of that? I mean, goodness gracious. Oh, uh, I was nervous. Don't get me. Don't get it wrong. <laughs> that was like a that was that was a hell of a session. I bet it when was. Bobby came in. I thought I thought we would record the track. And then he sang over later. You know, most, you know, you get the track. Right. And our, no, he was like, no, set up a mic. Yeah. Set up a mic. And he's singing, which which was nice because you hear his voice while you're playing. His voice is so beautiful. He is one of it's my favorite voices. Voice. Yes, yeah, beautiful voice. Yeah, beautiful voice. Oh, wow. So, mm. so yeah, so that was that was a fun session. Uh, Paul Brown produced that session. Okay. He was the producer. Yeah, okay. so he did a great job on that. It was awesome. Okay, so you did something, was it Silk and Paradise with Kenny G? Yes, I played on Kenny G's record with uh, Alex Al and Phil um, uh, Upchurch was on guitar. Greg Filling Games was playing as well. Yeah, and we had, that was a fun session, and, and Kenny was so sweet. He's a nice guy. Wow. He loved our playing. He was like, man, I would take you guys on the road but I am loyal to the guys I already have. Yeah. And I said, man, I can appreciate that. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I had much respect for him after that. Yeah, I know you did, because yeah. he's loyal. Because, you know, I know it's a lot of uh, artists out there that aren't loyal. You, you, you oh, know, I've heard I, some. I got those stories, too. I, you know, I, I've, I've, I've heard of some of those stories. stories. Can you can you give us yeah. a little... Uh, yeah. Snippet of one of those stories. You don't have to call the artist's name, but you can tell us what happened. <laughs> he told you wrong for that. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to say the artist's name, but you can tell us what happened. All right, I just say put it like this. I, you know, I was doing a gig for for some years, and then all of a sudden I, I didn't get the call back out of the blue. I didn't know it, um, and yeah, it was. It was. It didn't feel good. I know. For that to happen, I you know, because I'm thinking, okay, I've been doing this gig for years, and I get the call every year, and to not get a call, and then the guys in the van call me and go, "Yo, man, where you at?" Oh. Like I'm home. They're like, "Oh, well, we out here on the road. We thought you was." I said, "No, I'm home. I didn't. I don't know nothing about it. I didn't get a call. Oh. Just to not get a call, that hurt." I know. So I, I actually, I actually confronted the artist about that. No, like, you didn't. Man, I'm. Yes, I did. Oh, and, yeah. I said, I said, you know, out of respect. I mean, at least let me know that you know you're replacing me or moving on. You know, I'm thinking I'm getting a call. I'm turning down gigs because I, you know, I usually get the call. You know, right, right. And yeah, so yeah, the answer, the answer was was one of those. Well, I'm at a place and I'm at a point in my career now. I can do do what I want. And I was like, all right, cool. All right, and I'm out. And, you know, long story short, I ended up going back and doing it, doing the gig again, and 
and kind of let bygones be bygones. You know, I don't hold on to that kind of stuff. Right, because that's that's negative I, energy. I let it go. You have to let, let it, it go. I let it go, and we were all good, and I'm cool. But yeah, it happened to me twice. Oh wow! And 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 the reason why some of it, most of it's my fault. I had a publishing deal. Right. For like three and a half years, I used to stay home and just write songs. Mm-hmm. And you know, artists would ask me to come and play, because I was one of the first drummers in the whole smooth jazz movement. Like when the whole smooth jazz, whatever that is, well, started. I'm honored I was, to have you on my podcast. That's awesome. Thank you. I was playing with Boney James and Brian Coverson, Rick Vaughn. A lot of those artists that came up, you know, in, in the early early days of the smooth jazz thing. Right. And so, and so, you know, I was comfortable. I was getting a nice salary as a songwriter. I would stay home, you know. I had a young daughter, and I was like, cool, I'm good. But I would go out, um, I would do Boney James every weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, he was starting to blow up, and we were touring, like, Thursdays and Sunday. I'd be gone. And, um, yeah, so I did that for a while. And then after three years, so so I would not take, oh, my point was, I wouldn't take other gigs. Right. I would only do those gigs. So when those gigs would fall out from under my feet, I wouldn't be working. Right. I'd only have my publishing deal. Mm-hmm. And then when the publishing deal ended and I worked with another artist and the same thing happened again, Tony, that was when I had to get on my knees and I had to pray mm-hmm. and tell God, to say to God that you are my provider, not man. Thank you. And I said, I cannot ever put my faith in man Never. to provide for me. There you go. That was my mistake. And God showed me, dude, I'm the man, not them. Thank you. So for... When the, when the rug got pulled out from me, this, the last time it happened, Tony, I had to sell equipment. I didn't know where I was going to get money from. It was what? a bad, dark time in my life. Oh. Yeah. You know, my royalties wasn't that much, and my my, my uh, overhead was a lot more, and it wow. was crazy. And um, when I said to the Lord, I said, I want to play in church. I had never played in church. And when I put it out there, uh-huh. I get a call the next day Woo. for a church gig. Uh-huh. Yeah. And paid a couple hundred dollars a week, and I did it. And it helped me out. Then I went from that church to the church that I'm at now, mm-hmm. which I've been at for uh, 19 years. Wow. Um, Pastor Curran Manning, who I love, is my pastor. Mm-hmm. Alex Al plays bass there. Uh, amazing bass player. Mm-hmm. And I've been there ever since. And that's the one place I don't have to worry about anyone coming, taking my gig, or they're going to call somebody else. That's right. where the loyalty is. I love my pastor. Wow. He's a good man. I love. He's a musician. He sings and plays keyboards in the band. You know, he plays with us sometimes. Awesome. And so that gave me some stability, and my career just went crazy after that. See how God does? He, he needs to God get God was attention. like, yeah, first, and, bro. Yeah, yep. you got to put God first. And, you know, I hate to say it, but man will always disappoint. So you can never put your faith in them, never, ever. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I needed that lesson. I needed yeah. to know. Yeah. You know. Well, he is our I father. I needed the lesson. And he will, you know, he That's will right. discipline us. So, you know. That's right. But it's it's right. all love. And then he takes you even higher than you were before. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I, after that happened. Tony, mm-hmm. I might be jumping ahead of your questions, but I started playing in church, started getting around town again, 
and I did a wedding. A friend of mine said, hey, man, can you come play drums? The drummer canceled on me. I don't have any money. But what did you do? And I said, sure. So I did it. And Wayne Lindsay was playing keyboard. Yes. And uh, this other guy, um, God, man, it's my mind. I can see his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Gavin Christopher, right? He, he passed away. Okay. He was the vocalist. Mm-hmm. Gavin Christopher. And I did the gig. I didn't know Gavin. Gavin was like, man, I love your playing. Would you like to go to China? I was like, sure. So I went home and started calling people to see if they knew Gavin. Because I didn't know him from from Adam. <laughs> and he's talking about going to China. Okay. But I had enough frequent fire miles that I could get a free ticket back if things were to go crazy. I could come home. Yes. I get over there, Bobby Watson from uh, Bob, Rufus and Chaka Khan. Uh, yeah, Rufus. He's playing bass. Oh, my He's playing God. bass, yeah. So I'm like, all right, maybe this is good. You know, legit. So we get off the plane. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. And it's a TV station there with cameras and stuff. What? We're on the news. Goodness. We were me. on the news. We were like some of the first Americans to ever go over there and play with a Japanese pop star. Yes. I had was, no idea that the girl I was playing with was a, was a star. Wow. Her name is Jane Chung. Jane Chung. Chung uh, Liang Ying. I think that's how you say it in Chinese. Okay. Chung, Chung Liang Ying. Mm-hmm. Jane Chung. Um, and I worked with her for 10 years. I was going wow. to China every year for 10 years doing nothing but stadiums and theaters. Yeah. And from that, and from that, I worked with another artist named Jolene Tsai. Mm-hmm. She's a huge uh, Asian artist, and um, I got to tour with her for six months um, all over Asia, Singapore, uh, Malaysia, all of that. Wow. And we only did stadiums. That's how big she is. Ooh. Yeah, so my life changed. I know it for did. Real. Your life really changed. Yeah. That's why I told you, Tony Red going to rub your head next time. Come on, Tony Red. Rub my head all you want. You I got some it. good you luck and favor up. over you, my brother. God has Thank you got, so much. I mean, your life has been amazing. It's one opportunity. The door just opened. The windows opened. It. I mean, yeah, I trust. tell you it's what. Trust. Yes. Trust. Yep. It is awesome. Trust. It's so inspiring and encouraging. That's why I'm Thank so you. glad I'm, you know, able to do this this podcast and this interview with you. Because, like I Thank said, you. man, it's, that's, that's just what's up. It's awesome.